Yes, to get a hold uh, right now for the next hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And always, my friend, your number uh, right on your hip is 416-216-5910 if they want to get a hold of you anytime outside of show hours. Middle of the night column. Don't mind. Wake you right. up. Anytime, absolutely. I'll get Rima to keep the ringer on your phone. So oh, yeah, of course. you're sleeping at 3 in the morning, someone call you. Uh, yeah, what's not? going on? How was the week? Oh, the week was extremely interesting. Okay. Uh, let me tell you about a particular case that I got. Uh, a gentleman that called me after he heard the show last week. Now, this, is, uh, this just makes me absolutely livid. I got to tell you about this. <laughs> what I'm going to do right now, actually, and for the, for the benefit of our listeners, I'm going to read you the, the portion of the letter that this gentleman got from the insurance company. You can do this? I, I'm going to do this. Wow. I'm not going to use names. Nope. I'm not going to mention the insurance company name or the gentleman's name. But I'm going to read that portion, and then I'm going to tell you some of the facts of this gentleman's case. Okay. All right. So this gentleman is in his mid-50s, okay? He gets a letter from the insurance company. He's been on long-term disability for the last two years. So I'll read this to you. A comprehensive review of the available evidence... In this case, including the medical records provided by your doctor, findings of an independent medical examination and advanced diagnostic studies do not support the conclusion that you remain disabled from work for any occupation from October 2014. Uh, Therefore, your claim has been extended until the end of your own occupation as a truck driver up to and including October 2014, and your claim will be closed. Now, let me give you some facts about this case. So they're basically saying this is it for you. You're done. Get back this to work. This is it. You've been on it for two years, and enough now we're not going to pay. Enough is enough. Now, get this. Okay. This gentleman is in his mid-50s. Mm-hmm. Okay, He's a truck driver, as you've uh, uh, heard. Now, he has kidney failure. He's getting dialysis every second day. Recently, he had open-heart surgery as a result of the kidney failure. He even had a clot in his leg. Okay, so you're dealing with a gentleman who pretty much has failed kidneys, who needs dialysis several times a week, and this insurance company has the goal to come to him and say, upon all the medical evidence that we've seen, you do not qualify for ongoing benefits because we think you can actually work. Now, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor. But you know what, John? I know enough to know that with failed kidneys, you can drive a truck. You can't do anything with failed kidneys. And we're not talking about something you can just take you know, a, a little bit of medicine for. You're talking about something where this guy has to get dialysis. It's, it's a three, a, four hour it's deal. It's insane. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when I see this, this is absolutely, I, I just, you know, this is from the movies. I mean, y- there's no other way to. So anyways, uh, we, we got in touch with this gentleman and I'll tell you right now, we're definitely going to help him and we're going to be able to put in a claim. This is not going to be a complicated case to resolve. It's not going to take a long time because if this goes before any third party, no one in the right mind is going to say, you, person with dialysis, with kidney failure, with open heart surgery recently, you can do some form of work. No, this gentleman is entitled to benefits, he's entitled to compensation, and this insurance company is going to pony up the money. See, this is, this is the thing that people have to understand. They get these letters and they panic and they freak out. Really, they shouldn't. They just need to they get a hold of the right people. They right? shouldn't. No, insurance companies are banking on the fact that when they send you a letter telling you that they're going to cut you off, uh, that you're just basically going to, uh, you know, turn around turtle. and go back, turtle, yeah, go, go into your corner, figure out something else to do and, and just not make a claim. And, and the more information people have, the more they understand that insurance companies have to operate under the same laws that every other organization company out there has mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, the, the better people are going to be. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell, Savan, S-I-V-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. What else happened this week? All right, so there's another interesting case. This is okay. a lady that contacted me again this week after hearing the uh, show last week. And this is something that, uh, it's, it's a good thing she contacted me because I really want to make sure that our listeners are aware of this. 
Uh, all of us uh, have had situations where we'll be driving down a, a highway or a road and someone is tailgating us, you know, and we get really angry. We get really pissed off. <laughs> what do we do? Most of us, we Not slam the on the brakes. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if our spouse or somebody in the car is with us, you know, they, they almost get a mini heart attack. <laughs> and why? Because by slamming on the brakes, you, you're increasing, obviously, the likelihood that you're going to have an accident. Uh, absolutely. Well, well, let me tell you this. It, it's a very dangerous thing to do. And I used to do it, too, before I got into uh, personal injury and insurance law. Uh, and, and the reason why it's, it's, it's very dangerous, other than the fact that you can cause an accident, is that if there is, if there is a lawsuit down the road, you know, if you've been injured because somebody rear-ended you, but you slammed the brakes, well, guess what? You're partially at fault for that accident. And the insurance company is going to see it that way. And, and the courts are going to see it that way. So my advice is never, ever slam on your brakes. Just move to a different lane. Flip up your mirror. Don't look at them, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, so always that's, the assumption was, I always thought the assumption was, oh, it's, you know, they were following too close. Regardless of who saw it at the time, police or otherwise, like, oh, he rear enemies. So I had to stop and he was following too close. Oh, absolutely. No question. Listen, they're going, to, they're going to end up being at fault for the accident, but there's going to be contributory negligence on you for slamming your brakes. But, you know, it, it, what I tell people is this, uh, irrespective of the legalities, why do it? Why cause an accident? Why increase the chances of causing an accident? I mean, most of the time when we drive, we're not by ourselves. So not only are you increasing the chances of you getting hurt, right. but other people in the car getting hurt. So don't do it. doesn't make sense. Take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Relax for a Again, bit. Again, right? listen, if you've been injured and, and someone else was at fault, you're entitled to compensation. But if you were partially responsible for that fault you're going to have a problem when you make the claim. We'll take a, a couple calls after a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. As always, Savan, that's S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And Savan's number anytime outside of show hours or otherwise, 416-216-5910. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. Yep, Savan's here right up until 1 o'clock. You want to get a hold of him through email, Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And his own number is 416-216-5910. Got to Lily and Vaughn. Welcome to the show, Lily. How are you? Hi, good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure, go ahead. Um, I'm just trying to address what you mentioned earlier. When an insurance company can arbitrarily just send a letter saying, yeah, well, we think we're, we're going to cut you off, is there any recourse for, in a case like that, what you were mentioning you can... Um, file back, have the claim reopened, that's fine and dandy. You get your, maybe your claim reinstated. But how about, is there any pain and suffering caused by the duress they put you on while they've cut your um, claim down? Like, is there any recourse for that? Well, Lily, let me, let me answer your question. That's actually a very good question. Generally speaking, under the law, uh, whenever you have a contract with anyone, whether it's a, you know, it's a roof contractor or whoever, all you can get if they break that contract is you can get compensation for the broken contract. You, know, you can get the money that you're owed under the contract. Insurance contracts are very, very different. By their very nature, insurance contracts are contracts for peace of mind. That's why you're buying insurance. You know, my father bought a, uh, a, a Vegas trip uh, you know, last night, uh, and, and he asked me, what about insurance? And I said, well, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll make sure you, you know, we arrange insurance. Well, yep. why did he ask me that? Because he wanted to make sure that if anything happens, trip cancellation, whatever, uh, he has peace of mind. Well, guess what? When an insurance company breaks the contract, not only can you actually make a claim for compensation under the contract, but you can actually ask for pain and suffering or for compensation for that breach of peace of mind. The courts have recognized that. It's an exception under contract law that is uh, uh, understood, accepted, and, and you can definitely make a claim for that. There's no question. Makes sense, Ali? Yes, thank you. Do you have time for one more question? Yep. Absolutely. Um, 
My mom was uh, in a car accident recently, but she was in a private, the wheel trans kind of bus. Right. For an old. Now, she has some form of dementia, and they didn't put her seatbelt on. Okay. And uh, in a case like that, where you have some cognition, but some, you know, it varies from time to time. Mm-hmm. I, and you mentioned sometimes when you're liable for partly. Uh, Causing, like, for example, if you didn't put your seatbelt on during an accident, right? You know, that might you might be slightly at fault yourself there. Correct. How about in a case where you're in the care of somebody else, you're in a wheelchair, and the driver doesn't uh, ensure that your wheel that your seatbelt is on when you have right. uh, proven dementia and right. things like that? Is that are you still at some fault? No, no, you're not going to be at fault. There's absolutely no way. I mean, think about it. Just from a common sense standpoint, John, yep. uh, you know, if, if, if you have a child, for example, in the back seat and the child is injured because the child wasn't seat belted, uh, the child's not going to be found at fault. It's going to be whoever was taking care of that child. Right. Exactly same thing yeah. here. Somebody has dementia or somebody is incapacitated in some way. Uh, the person who was responsible, and there's always someone responsible mm-hmm. for this individual, that person is going to be held liable. Okay, so not to worry about that. Having said that, again, the other example that Lily brought, uh, you know, if I'm driving in a car and I'm not wearing my seatbelt and and I'm in an accident and I get thrown out of the car, the courts are going to say that you are to some extent responsible for the yourself. You got it. Exactly. But, but, you know, generally speaking, there's always going to be someone responsible. And again, usually you take a common sense approach to these cases. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. I want to get a bunch of emails. By the way, it's Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Flip through these. I'll get to uh, Jane and Barry says, I've been sued for a car accident. I spoke with my auto insurer and gave them a copy of my claim. They are saying that I've been sued for more than my policy limits and that I should get a private lawyer to protect the uh, over-the-limits uh, portion of the claim. So what does that mean? All right. So this is a lot of legalese. And, yeah. and most people, when they get this kind of a letter or when the insurance company turns around and says, uh, you know, we're not going to be covering you. We're not going to protect you because somebody sued you. They get panicked and they get panicked rightly so. Because, right. Because most people have assets. They have houses and they want to protect them. Uh, so, so really what this means is this. Most of us have car insurance. We all should have car insurance if we're driving. And, and we all have, as part of our insurance policy, what's called third-party policy limits. What does that mean? It means that if I actually, if I was responsible for a car accident, someone got injured, there is usually about a million bucks that the insurance company reserves on the side, my insurance company, to okay. deal with that claim on my behalf. So if you are involved in a car accident, and you were sued for that car accident because you were at fault yeah. for, let's say, a million bucks, don't worry about it. Send the claim to your insurance company, and they will cover you. What okay, you don't need me. If it's two million bucks, right. but you only have coverage for a million bucks, you're going to get a letter from either the insurance company, your insurance company, or from your defense lawyer appointed by your insurance company, and they're going to tell you, we're going to cover you up to a million dollars. But guess what? For the rest of the amount... You're on the hook? You're potentially on the hook. Okay. So, of course, as you can imagine, I get calls all the time about this. People people are, are, they're not sleeping at night. They're panicking. So here's what I tell them. Don't panic. The fact that you got a lawsuit and it states that you've been sued for two million bucks doesn't mean that this case is worth two million bucks. In fact, rarely, rarely does a case get above a million, which is why... It's normal to have a million dollars as, as that protective shield mm-hmm. that the insurance company has for you. If you've been sued and you got this, this, one of these letters from the insurance company, don't panic. Give me a call. Okay, I'll, I'll, it's not going to take a long time for me to, uh, you know, t- to review the case, to talk to you about it, and to let you know if you really are exposed in some way or if you're not. Don't lose, don't lose any sleep. Just give me a call. 
Having said that, I mean, you're, obviously you're not a broker, but you insure yourself. Is it worth, you know, bumping your insurance up to $2 million just in that case? I fantastic, mean, for liability? Yeah, right? fantastic just question. Just maximize your insurance if you can? Uh, yes. Yes, it Still is. It. And, and, and I tell people that all the time. Certainly I've done that. I've advised my family to do it. Uh, and it's not just for that portion of the claim. If you're injured in a car accident, as we've talked about before, you're entitled to certain benefits from your own insurance company. Well, guess what? You can get optional insurance. You can pay a little bit more, not much more, a little bit more, and then get more benefits in the event that you're injured. Of course, most of us, when we get insurance, we get the bare minimum. In these kinds of situations, when you're dealing with injuries, severe injuries, uh, injuries, when you have family members that drive with you, it might be worthwhile to pay a little bit extra and just get that little extra layer of protection. Because you never know you need it till you, you need it, right? Know. You never know. And if you, yeah. if you, you know what? If you have a broker, just speak to your broker. They'll yeah. tell you all about that. In fact, they should have already told you about that if, yeah. if they haven't. But, you know, if they haven't, just ask them. We'll take a, a short break into a couple more emails. You want to uh, give us a phone call, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale, savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca. More of the Insurance and Injury Law Show on the way in Talk Radio AM 640. Another way to get a hold of us uh, this afternoon, you can email Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca, which I will get to one more before we get into some general questions in that regard. Uh, I got one from Ron in Hamilton. says, I've been sued for a car accident. Uh-huh. Spoke with my car insurance, gave me them a copy of my claim. They're saying that they won't defend me because I did something wrong at the time of the accident. Doesn't say what it is, but what can he do? Right. Okay. So it's obviously very important to know what exactly he did wrong. Uh, having said that, a lot of times insurance companies say you did something wrong when you really didn't do anything <laughs> wrong, or right. they say you did something wrong, and it's you know what? It's not really that bad. Yeah. It's not bad enough to avoid the policy. Keep in mind, uh, you know, like I said before, insurance uh, policies are there to protect us. They're they're a cover. They're a safety net. Courts see that as something that is uh, uh, almost sacred, okay? It's going to take a lot for the insurance company to, to be able to be successful on a denial of coverage claim. So what I would tell Ron is give me a call. Uh, I can tell you probably within a few minutes of speaking with you, uh, you know, by phone at my office that uh, uh, this is not going to be difficult uh, to resolve if, in fact, th- that uh, allegation of what you did wrong is not that significant. And I, I got to tell you, John, 90% of the people who call me about uh, non-coverage disputes, uh, they usually find out that with, with just a few letters to the insurance company, just a few phone calls, suddenly, whoops, you know, the magic it wand, away. it goes away. They, yeah. In fact, I, you know what, just to deviate here for just for a second, I had a case uh, that I just resolved uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, with, with, with a couple of uh, very nice people whose son was involved in an altercation, uh, and, and it was an assault. Uh, and, and the problem was there is that uh, the, the the son was sued for the assault, but the parents were also sued for the assault. They were sued because they failed to supervise. That was the allegation. And guess what? The insurance company for the parents said, well, we're not going to cover you. We're not going to cover you because this was an assault. So therefore, assault is an intentional act. We're not going to cover you for an intentional act. Okay. Okay. But so as you can imagine, they're freaking out, right? I mean, they have a house. So they came to me. I went back and forth with the insurance company. Insurance company, got they got a lawyer. I had a, a, three conversations by phone with this insurance uh, lawyer, uh, and we exchanged a few emails. We waited for a few weeks. Bam, I get a letter from the, uh, from the insurance adjuster saying, we've confirmed coverage. Those two individuals are now going to be covered. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? I mean, it just tells you that insurance companies, by their very nature, we spoke about that before, they're in the business of trying to get money in. They're trying and keeping to, it. And keeping it, exactly. Right. Now, again, to be fair to them, to be fair to them, it's not all uh, adjusters that are bad. It's not all uh, insurance companies that are doing this. But different insurance companies have different philosophies, different adjusters, look at cases differently. They have opinions. They have a job to do. 
the important thing is if you're stuck, if you have an issue with an insurance company, a claim that's not getting paid, uh, insurance company that's dragging its feet, uh, or, or if you feel you're exposed because they're not covering you for something, right. make sure you get the proper legal advice. Yep. Okay, you got to even the, uh, the, the playing field. The number is 416-216-5910. That's Savan's number. You can call us this afternoon uh, on the phone lines here at the radio station, 416-870-6400, star 640 on seller smartphone. Give us a call. How about this? I'm involved in a car accident. Now my insurer wants to repair my car rather than uh, than write it off. I want it written off. Right. I just like to get my cash and get out and get a new car. Uh, do you have a say in the matter? Uh, yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, you don't. <laughs> right, perfect. Uh, that's the answer. That's the answer. And, you know, most people that call me about this very issue, uh, you know, they're very frustrated by that because they're saying, listen, you know, my car is going to get devalued now. What's the point of repairing it? So I'm, I'm going to tell you exactly what I tell every person that calls okay. me about this. Uh, our, our insurance contracts are governed by the Ontario Automobile Policy. Now, go ahead and Google it. It's called the OAP1, okay, the number one, OAP1. And if you go to section 5.4.3, it actually states, we have the right to repair, replace, or rebuild the automobile rather than pay for the damage. If we choose to do this, we will let you or other insured persons know in writing within seven days of receiving notice of the claim. We will complete the work within a reasonable time using parts of similar kind and quality. So understand this. The insurance company does have a right to decide if they're going to repair your car after an accident or if they're going to write it off. Having said that, obviously, if they're going to choose to repair it, they're going to have to repair it properly. It's going to have to be with proper parts. It's going to, ha- it's, you know, it's going to be do- have to be done to, to a certain quality. As close to what it was as possible, Absolutely, right? exactly. But a- again, I understand people are very frustrated with the process. Now, another little tip. Uh, for all of you who have been in a car accident and the insurance company has decided to write it off, mm-hmm. they're gonna then, the adjuster is going to call you and they're going to offer a settlement for your car. They're going to actually tell you, here's what we're going to pay for your car. Don't accept it. Why? There's always a range. There's always a range to negotiate. Rarely do they come to you and they say, uh, you know, John, your car is worth 15 grand. Uh, at the time that the accident happened, we're going to pay you 15 grand. Well, listen, what I suggest to you is you go to AutoTrader, you go to any other publication uh, where you can find similar type cars that you had with a similar amount of uh, uh, mileage, et cetera. And, uh, you know, take a look at the, at the prices. I mean, there's always a variance. There's always a range. And, and the insurance companies knows, uh, know this. And the adjusters are going to come to you with the lower end of the range, sometimes even lower than the range itself. Do you stand a chance on your own, though, trying to negotiate? Absolutely. Really? You, don't, you don't need me for that. Absolutely. Wow. Listen, if you're dealing with a specialty car, if, if you know, you're dealing with a car that's worth you know, eighty grand, and yeah. they're coming to you for, for, with $40,000, you know, call, give me a call. But yeah. if the car is worth 20000 legitimately, and they're coming to you and saying, we're going to pay you 16000 you don't need me for that. So I'm just saying, for people out there, make sure that if your car is, is written off, uh, you know, to make sure that you always negotiate uh, the final settlement with the insurer. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. More questions coming up here. We'll get to lots more of the shows. We're into it now right up until 1 o'clock. The Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. And Savan's number is 416-216-5910 and savan at theinsurancelawyer.ca. So uh, let's talk about some red flags uh, having, having to do with insurance claims, maybe uh, signs of trouble that uh, may indicate you're not getting that claim paid. Right. So let's, uh, let's talk about three main signs that I see often. Number one, if your claim is dragging on, I'm talking about dragging on for two, three, four months. Uh, insurance adjuster is not uh, you know, returning your phone calls or they're telling you they need more and more documentation. Uh, that's a red flag. Okay, <laughs> these, these claims are not difficult to assess. These adjusters do this on a daily basis. They each, each one of them has tens, if not hundreds of claims on their desk. 
these claims should be going through fairly quickly. And you're going to know, okay, if something in your gut tells you this thing is dragging, then you give me a call because there is a problem. I don't know what the problem is, but we can work through it. Just give me a call. Number two, if you've been told or if you received a letter or an email from the adjuster saying that your claim is being transferred to the special investigation unit, John, we spoke about that before, uh, you call me immediately. You the don't SIU. say anything else. Sounds scary. The SIU, exactly. It's a division. Every insurance company has it. They may have a different name for it, but it's a division that deals with uh, strange claims. Let's, you know, let's put strange in, 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 uh, in um, quotations, uh, quotations there. exactly. Uh, there is a problem. Okay, your claim does not get transferred to the SIU unit unless there is a major issue. And most of the time when I see these kinds of, of claims go to the SIU unit, uh, it's when we've had repeat you know, theft claims on, on a particular file, uh, you know, when the individual bought the car for cash and, and suddenly uh, the car was involved in a very strange type accident. You know, someone gave a tip that maybe the, the accident was staged. So in any event, if your claim uh, has been transferred to a special investigation unit, do not deal with the insurance company anymore. You have to get an insurance lawyer. Okay, simple. Number three, if you're being asked questions that make no sense, like, for example, we need your cell records for, you know, the time of the accident, uh, if, if, if we need your bank documents, you know, these kinds of questions that have nothing to do with yeah, the loss, weird. it's weird, but it's weird for you, which means that, you know, it's a warning sign. It means that there is a problem. They're trying to probe for information, trying to get information to perhaps build a case for why they should not be paying you. Again, if you're being asked strange questions or asked for strange documentation, strange for you, simply doesn't make any sense. Again, mm-hmm. keep in mind, always approach these cases on a, on a common sense basis. Yep. Uh, if any of these warning signs come up, you make sure that you give me a call. All right. Let me deal with the insurer. The adjuster is not going to be able to run circles around me and my team. An insurance lawyer knows how to deal with the insurance company. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's, it's simple. It's not, it's not, this is not a, a difficult thing. But, you know, if, if you're not used to it, if you haven't dealt with them before, uh, you're going to have issues. And, and, you know, frankly, you're going to get a denial at some point. It's just a matter of one. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Um, what's your success rate resol- resolving these claims? Very it? high. Okay. Very high. And we, again, we spoke about that before as well. The reason why it's very high is, is because... As soon as you have an insurance lawyer, especially someone who's worked in the insurance industry in the past, and remember, uh, I used to work for insurance companies, you know, they, they're economic entities. Their job is to make money. Their job is to save money. As soon as there is an insurance lawyer advocating for the person, for the insured, mm-hmm. they now have to increase their reserves. What does that mean? It means that whenever they're dealing with you and there's a claim, that reserve, that word reserve means that they're putting money aside for payment of the claim. Okay. Well, if there is no lawyer on the other side, the number is X. As soon as there is a lawyer involved, that number immediately increases. It increases because now that there is a lawyer involved, they understand that they can't just do whatever they want. They're like, oh, crap, here we go. Yeah, yeah. you got it. And yeah. I see this on personal injury type claims. I see this on, on uh, insurance dispute claims. Essentially, what you're doing is you're making it expensive for them to fight. And so they have to make a calculation. Are we going to have a drawn-out fight with this insurance lawyer, or are we going to just better, be better off just paying the claim or negotiating some kind of, uh, of compensation for this individual, making this lawyer and this individual go away? If they flat-out deny, what's your recourse? The recourse is to make a claim. Uh, but, but I'll tell you, I mean, really? yeah, wow. your recourse is to make a claim. And, and as soon as you make a claim, they can't turn away from it. They can't ignore it. I, you know, again, we've talked about that. The law is there to protect you. It's to protect the individual. And I'll tell you, the law comes down you know, like a gavel on the insurance companies. They just can't do whatever, whatever they want. Um, you know, it, it seems like there are these mammoth corporations with unlimited resources. It doesn't matter. It simply doesn't matter. They have to follow the law the way I have to follow the law and you have to follow the law. 
The difference is that their adjusters have been doing this for many years. Their lawyers have been doing this for many years. You haven't. You assume they're your friend. You're you outgunned. Ass- you, you're outgunned. You assume you're outgunned unless you get someone on your side who can, you know, right. level the playing field. It's just that simple. Having said that, a little guy like, like me, can we take on a, ma- a mammoth insurer? Yeah, absolutely. Easy. It's done every day. It's no different than, uh, you know, for, for those of you who listen to my partner who does employment law, uh, and, and he'll tell you, you know, if you've been let go, and it doesn't matter if it's you've been let go from a bank or if you've been let go from, you know, a corporation that is a Fortune 500 corporate, it, it's irrelevant. The law applies equally to everyone. Okay? We all have rights. And, you know, for, for those of us out there who, who feel vulnerable, uh, you know, because of, of big business, I'll tell you this. Uh, the law doesn't just treat everyone the same. Uh, the law has a special place for, in its heart for, uh, you know, for the little guy. So I'll, I'll give you an example for it, you know, as, as, as um, um, something that, that, that most people don't know. Uh, if there is an insurance dispute, if, if the entire dispute turns on whether or not you understood part of your contract with insurance. In other words, let's say you filled out the health questionnaire and you filled out a portion of it incorrectly right. by mistake, not because you intended to mislead the insurer, but because you misunderstood something. But, you know, you understood it as you understood it, right? right? If it goes to, uh, you know, in, in, in front of a judge, okay, which, by the way, most of these claims almost never, never see a courtroom, right. okay? But if it does, if the judge sees that there are two uh, uh, equally reasonable interpretations to that question, Guess who's going to be the beneficiary of that interpretation? Guess who's going to win that? The little guy. The little guy, exactly. The, the, the courts have said that whenever there is a misunderstanding uh, on a particular provision of the policy or, or whenever somebody has acted reasonably in filling out uh, a questionnaire, mm-hmm. w- whether it's a travel, uh, you know, health travel questionnaire or whether it's uh, you know, for, for long-term disability, uh, and if, if the entire case turns on that interpretation, the little guy is going to end up winning because the, the, the courts have said that, you know, the, the, um, the law is there to protect the little guy. And any exceptions, any exclusions that the insurance companies are relying on, they have to be interpreted very narrowly. Okay, right. so very, very important for people you to know. You got some leeway. You got leeway. Yeah. The judges are, you know, in your corner. We have excellent, excellent judges in Ontario, and, and people should not be afraid to, to speak to us and, you know, to, to uh, stand up uh, for themselves. Take a short break. Patrick, hang on the line. We'll get to you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. I also want to get to the uh, top three tips every, uh, everyone who's listening has an insurance claim should consider from you, so, man. We'll get to that uh, after the break. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio, AM 640. And we'll get right over to the phone calls. We've got uh, Patrick in Oshawa. Hi, Patrick. Got a question for Hi. Savan. Go ahead. How are you doing? Savan, it's, it's kind of a question, more of a statement. Yeah. A, a while ago, mind you, it was quite a while ago, I was stopped at a red light. And a vehicle literally plowed into the back of me and totally rode off the car. So we, of course, we went to the insurance company, blah blah blah. And this is what this is what I want to warn, ask you about, or possibly warn the listeners about. I had ongoing claims of pain and suffering and injury, but they said, "Well, we'll give you a check for your car up front, right? A couple of thousand bucks, whatever, whatever the price was." And I went to the bank. And I rolled over the check, and I went to sign it, and right on the back of the check was printed, endorsement and cash of this check relieves the insurance company for all further responsibility on this claim. Correct. So I, I took it right back to them, and they said, oh, oh, oh that, that was the wrong check. Hmm. So I, I just wanted, I wanted to get that message out there. You've got to be very, very careful when you're dealing with these folks, because you get a situation, if I had signed that check and cashed it, then anything going forward would have been zero. 
Let's uh, let's talk about that. Is that true? Yeah. Yes, that's actually very true. And Patrick, uh, Patrick's on the ball. Yeah. You know what? Thank you for calling and, and, and talking about this because this is something I see quite often. Uh, a lot of times, insurance companies uh, will call you and they will try and settle with you directly. They're going to send you a check, and in this case, uh, you know they. Uh, because we're talking about the um, uh, a check for the value of the vehicle or for the yeah. right of the vehicle, that would have been Patrick's insurance company uh, that would have sent the check. So, uh, you know, he would have been entitled to certain benefits because he was obviously injured uh, if the insurance company was dealing with him, not only with respect to the property damage, but with the injuries. Okay. So he's right. If you cash a check and, and if, if the um, understanding, at least, for you cashing the check is that you're going to be foregoing any future claims with respect to that incident, that accident with your insurance company, you have to be extremely, extremely careful. If you do that, you may end up foreclosing uh, other types of claims that you may have against your insurance companies. Doesn't your insurance company, since they're your insurance company, have a duty to give you the heads up on that? Of course they have a duty, but so what? <laughs> so what? How many, how, nice. how many, listen, how many of us have been in the situation where, again, we thought the insurance adjuster was our friend. They were nice to us. We invited them in. They had coffee. They took our statement. Then we get a denial letter. Or then they're, they're telling us, no, 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 you can't get X. You can only get Y. John, this is something that's very, very common. Now, another thing on that point, we were dealing with Patrick's own insurance company. Right. Guess what? I guarantee you that the guy who plowed into him, his, that guy's insurance company will probably call Patrick if they haven't already, and they're probably going to offer him something to resolve his claim for pain and suffering, whether that's 5000 10000 I'm not sure. It happens a lot. Why do insurance companies do that? Why do they contact you in order to offer you, you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of money? Is because as soon as you accept that and you put that check in the bank and you sign it, they wash their hands. You go to any lawyer, that lawyer will tell you, no, you've signed away your rights. Don't ever, ever, ever do that. Okay? Very dangerous. At the very least, get advice. Just give me a call, a few minutes on the phone. I'll tell you if you should do that or you shouldn't. And, John, I've had many situations where people call me and I told them, listen, you know, everything seems legit. It's all kosher. Go ahead and sign it. Yeah. But get that advice. For Don't sure. Don't do it blindly. Don't I mean, jump this is in, money. man. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, you could be foregoing tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Savon Summers, 416-216-5910. Got uh, John in Bradford. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hi. How are you doing, Savan? Hi. Uh, good. Uh, good, John. Um, I've got a little bit of a problem with, uh, with a long-term disability claim. Uh, back, in, back in March, I had a heart attack and quintuple bypass surgery. So I went the normal route, and I was on short-term disability through, e, through EI, which was fine, and mm-hmm. sent all the paperwork that the insurance company wanted for their long-term disability. And uh, long-term disability should have kicked in in uh, July. It's now almost November. I haven't uh, had a penny yet. I called the insurance company on a regular basis, and they keep telling me they're waiting for a report from OHIP to see if this had been an ongoing situation, and I still haven't heard anything at this point. Is there anything that I can do to sort of move this along a little bit? Yes, absolutely. I can tell you right now that uh, we'll speak off the air, okay? Uh, Okay. One letter from me is going to get them to do something. <laughs> and I'm not saying that because I'm a superstar and I'm Superman and whatever. I'm telling the reason is because you are not an insurance lawyer. I mean, it, you know, it pains me to say that to you, but that's the reality. The reality is that that adjuster you're dealing with has God knows how many claims on his or her desk, and there is nothing burning underneath them, nothing. Well, guess what? If there is a letter saying you have a deadline, and you comply, you provide your answer one way or the other. And if it's a negative answer, you better be able to back it up. Because if you don't back it up, you're going to get a claim. And once you get a claim, it's going to go up to your supervisor. And then you're going to get an insurance lawyer, and they're going to tell you a few months down the road that you should have paid the claim, should, you should have paid the claim in the first place. No, so, so, yeah. 
Sorry, if their excuse is that OHIP is very tardy in, in sending back the report, is that is that their excuse? Well, you know, they, they have a ton of excuses. Of course OHIP is going to be tardy. When I request documents from OHIP, sometimes, you know, sometimes when I, on, on personal injury matters, we have to get what's called a, a decoded OHIP summary. It's a, it's a summary of all your services you've mm-hmm. been provided. And I'll tell you, we, we got to send them a check alongside our request. And many times it takes, you know, more than six months. And we end up getting a letter back from OHIP saying, oh, guess what? Your, your check expired. You got to send us a check again. So <laughs> of course they're tardy. But so what? Yeah. That's not your problem. That's, it's not. It's not. If your doctor is confirming the disability, your insurance company has an obligation to honor the policy. It's that simple. If you don't honor the policy, you have options. Simple. John, that number, 416-216-5910. We'll take uh, Harold here in Toronto. Hi, Harold. You got a comment? Oh, hi. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I used to be an independent adjuster, and now I uh, do work strictly for plaintiff lawyers, you know, liability investigations and all that. Right. And, and all I can say is that if a person is injured, they should actually seek out a plaintiff's lawyer who specializes in personal injury, not dabbling in it part-time because they'll be eaten up by the sharks. Harold, exactly. uh, you know what? That, those are extremely wise uh, words. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and how many times, John, I've, I've told you that before, uh, when I used to practice defense work, and I would get these injured individuals in front of me. And, of course, my job back then was to protect the insurance companies. Uh, and I would be dealing with lawyers who, I don't know if they were doing it part-time or they were just new or they didn't know what they were doing or they weren't passionate. But I'll tell you, the deals that I was able to get to the insurance companies because those plaintiff lawyers uh, did not know either what they were doing or didn't care. No due it was breaking right? my heart. Absolutely. There's no due diligence. And I'm talking about you know occasionally settling claims in favor of my insurer clients for you know twenty grand when the claim was worth a hundred grand, two hundred oh. grand, but you know I, that was my job. That's what I was paid to do. Well, now I operate in in a different capacity. Now I I, I help uh, people who are injured, and uh, you know one of the things I take very seriously is making sure that no money is left on the table. We'll take a short break. I want to get into some uh, car accident questions. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Anytime, Savan's number is 416-216-5910. The Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio AM 640. I want to get to a few more questions because you know it's going to be that time of year where uh, car accidents will reign supreme once the uh, temperatures go down, the uh, roads start to get a little slippery. A question I've always wondered, how do insurance companies decide if I'm at fault for a car accident? All right. Well, we all had that question at some point yeah. if we've been involved in a car accident. So, you know, one of the reasons we're doing this show, John, is to give people information, all right, is to let them know uh, the other side. How is it that insurance companies make uh, the decision that they make? Well, uh, if your listeners at some point go on Google and type in Ontario Regulation 668, they'll see that something comes up. And that thing that comes up is the actual law that governs how insurance companies really? make these decisions. Yeah, Ontario it, Regulation 668. 668, exactly. It's a regulation under the Insurance Act, and it's called Fault Determination Rules. And you know what's cool about that regulation is that it actually has diagrams of different accident wow. scenarios. And you can actually see, and it spells out, it says, in this particular situation, you know, when you're looking at that particular diagram, if that's what happened, that's how insurance companies are going to be determining uh, fault for that accident. Now, keep in mind, every accident is specific on its facts, right? I mean, you're going you're gonna, to uh, get statements, you're going to see what the police said, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, the, the sort of general uh, uh, comprehensive overview of it is this regulation. So really important for people who are interested in this, take a look at that. Uh, I should just caution you that 
uh, if you've been injured in a, in a car accident and if you go to that regulation and it looks like you're at fault, it doesn't mean that you're not entitled for compensation. Okay. okay? So even if you are deemed to be at fault, you're probably still going to be entitled to some compensation of some sort from your own insurance company. And we talked about that before. There are mm-hmm. income replacement benefits if yep. you can't work. There's a variety of benefits that you can look at. But Regulation 668, for, for those people who want to understand how insurance companies make a decision on who's at fault for a particular situation. So how do you minimize the chance of being found at fault? Well, I mean, this is uh, trite. First of all, you follow the rules of the road, obviously. Um, you know, if you are in an accident, make sure that you get, um, and you don't think that you are at fault, obviously. Make sure that uh, if there are any witnesses to the accident, get their names and numbers. You don't know how many times I deal with individuals who come to me and say, you know, uh, there's a dispute as to who's at fault here. Uh, sometimes the insurance company says I'm at fault or halfway at fault, but you know, that's not really uh, what happened. Here's what happened. There is a dispute on the facts. Get the names of anybody who's seen the accident and their contact info. Okay, number one. Number two, make sure that you take photographs of the cars that were involved in the accident and make sure that you just take uh, copies, or if you can't, that someone does, of the scene, okay, of the accident. And the reason why that's important is because if you're going to make a claim down the road for injuries and there is a question as to who's at fault, those uh, photographs are going to come in very, very handy. So easy with smartphones now. Extremely easy. And in fact, you can do video too. Right. I mean, you know, I've had a few cases actually where these photographs really were the turning point. And that's the reason why my client was compensated because the other driver said that the accident never even happened that way. Well, lo and behold, we had accident, we had photographs uh, you know, that showed exactly where the vehicles were at the end of the, uh, of the accident. Yeah. I was in an accident uh, and having difficulty working, say. My employer knows about my accident but says that if I can't work full-time, I shouldn't be there. What am I going to do? Well, uh, there are two things you can do. Number one is you obviously call me. Number two, you obviously call my partner, Lior. I know uh, that guy. And, yeah, you know that guy. Uh, he's... Uh, uh, he, he knows uh, about uh, employment law, and uh, he's been talking about employment law for, uh, for quite a long time. Uh, so it's extremely important. I mean, you know, as he said many, many times before, employers have a duty to accommodate. Your employer is going to have a duty to make sure that you can come back to work on some sort of modified duties. It's very rare for employers not to be able to, uh, you know, to provide that chance for injured employees. And, and it's extremely important to actually make that request for two reasons. Number one. You probably still need to work to bring money in, right? And number two, the fact that you're trying to get back to work, the fact that your employer is not going to accommodate you, that's going to go on record. It's probably going to be – there's going to be a record of that with your employer. So when the time comes for you to make a claim for your injuries and the insurance company is requesting to see the employment records – Get what the, guess what they're going to see. They're going to see that you made that request to work on modified duties or modified hours. Suddenly, there's credibility to your claim. Okay? You're not one of those people who simply says, oh, my, you know, my neck hurts. I can't do anything. So I should always tell my employer about an accident. You should. You should always tell, yeah, absolutely. You should tell your employer, especially if you need accommodation. Well, listen, I mean, if you had an accident and you know, it, it's not a big deal and you can work without any issues, then you know, the employer doesn't need to know. It's not a big deal. But if you need accommodation, whether if you need reduced hours or you need uh, you know, to be able to, to have modified duties, you have to, to make that request and you have to back it up with some kind of a medical note. Yeah. Okay, very, very important, both from an employment standpoint and from a, uh, an injury and a compensation standpoint. If I can't work because of the injury, how do I, shortly, how do I support my family? Well, that's also a very good question. And people, unfortunately, find themselves in that position many, many times. Uh, there are different ways of, of supporting yourself, uh, depending on the facts. Uh, firstly, as we discussed before, your own insurance, car insurance, is, is going to provide you with income replacement benefits. 
Now those are limited, unfortunately. It's what four hundred bucks. Uh, it's up to four hundred bucks a week. week. There is a formula. Yeah, they look at the seventy percent of your gross income and, and they make a calculation. Uh, it, the good news is that you're going to be entitled to that fairly, fairly, uh, uh, yeah, fairly quickly, okay, fairly good. early on, and, and we can get that done for you very, very, uh, um, uh, you know, easily. Uh, you know, y- you may be entitled to uh, to disability benefits through work. We talked about that before: shortened disability, long-term disability. If in fact you're injured uh, for a longer period of time. Uh, you may be entitled to EI sick benefits. Uh, you know, there's other things as well. Some people, some things that people don't think about. Uh, for example, if you work for a certain period of time, and and you really are disabled, and it's all you know documented by the doctors, you may be entitled to apply for CPP disability. Okay. Again, very very important because what you have to show there is that you are disabled, and and you make the application to the government. And, you know, if you've paid into the system, you should be able to get that out of the system, right, to support you and your family. Uh, Ontario disability as well. Uh, again, there are certain criteria that we have to be aware of. So there's various avenues, okay? Right. It, it's not as though you have no, uh, no options. If you have any questions, give me a call and we'll go through it. So much to cover. We'll, uh, we'll pick it up again next weekend right here at the same time. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. You want to get a hold of Savan anytime, Savan, S-I-V-A-N, at theinsurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910 right here on Talk Radio, AM640.